Well, we are in a series called Basic Training. God wants to train each of us as soldiers in his army to follow his instructions and commands. The Bible tells us we need to learn what God is telling us to do and follow them so that we're blessed. Now, if you're in basic training in the army and you don't pay attention to your, what is it, your drill sergeant's instructions, do things end up well with you? Okay, if, I, I don't know. So a few of you have been in there, and you need to listen carefully, and that's what the Bible says as well. Matthew 28, the scriptures are written out in the white page in the middle of your bulletin. I encourage you to pull it out. We've got the scriptures and the outline there. On the back of the page are study questions, a study guide that you can fill out yourself. Uh, some of the life groups will be going over those as well. Deuteronomy 28, God's word says, If you fully obey the Lord your God, and carefully follow all his commands I give you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. How many would like blessings to come upon you and accompany you in your life? My hand is up. Now these principles that were articulated by God to Israel thousands of years ago still apply to us today. If we're careful to learn God's commands, if we're careful to follow and obey God's commands, then what's going to happen to us? God's blessings are going to come upon us. We are blessed when we follow God's instructions. On the other hand, if we're not careful to obey, if we disobey God's commands, then what happens? The opposite. Verse 15, however, if you do not obey, the Lord your God, and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees. I'm giving you today all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. How many want curses to overcome you and overtake you? No hands. My hand isn't up either. That's not a good thing. And so, if we want some motivation to learn what God requires and to follow him, read Deuteronomy chapter 28 this week. And those principles still apply to us as New Testament believers. Obedience brings what? Blessing. Disobedience brings curses. Not good things. Now, we can only follow and obey God's commands as we seek Him. We can't do it in our own strength. We need His strength. But everything that God commands us to do, He gives us the strength. He gives us the power to obey. Today my message is entitled, Giving Your Resources. Now, human nature says, and resources I'm referring to our money, our time, uh, our talents, our abilities, our possessions, all those things are our resources. Human nature says, I need to keep all the resources I have for myself. In today's economy and things that are going on, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, and I need to make sure that I'm covered. Many people today believe, and it's probably true, they hardly have enough to take care of their own needs. So some amazing statistics that the savings of people is, most people is practically nothing. They're living paycheck to paycheck, just barely having enough. And people wonder, how could I possibly make it? I, I'm hardly making it right now. How could I make it if I give something away? Let's see what Jesus had to say about giving in Matthew chapter 6. He said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust uh, 
destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so it seems that Jesus said that storing up treasures for yourself on earth was not wise. In fact, that was a command. Do not store up treasures for yourself on earth. Why not? Because treasures on earth are very transitory. They're easily lost. You may have them today all stored up. I, I'm going to be able to live for the next 5, 10, 20 years with what I've got stored up. And then the next day you find out the stock market is down and everything is gone. Or your house goes up in flames or whatever it may be. Treasures on earth are very transitory and easily lost. Jesus says rather than storing up treasures, you try to take care of yourself on this earth. Store up treasures in heaven, for treasure in heaven is secure. Nothing's going to take away that treasure. It's like Fort Knox. It's, everything is secure. Nobody's going to get in. There's not going to be any fires, thieves, or anything else. And not only is our treasure in heaven secure, Jesus says that if we put our treasure in heaven there, our heart will be also. We want our hearts focused on heaven. We want our lives focused on heaven for that's where eternal values are. And how do you store up treasure in heaven? Well, simply by giving away your resources as the Lord directs in his word and uh, to further God's kingdom. Jesus put it this way in Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so when we give our resources for God's purposes, Jesus promises that God will give back to us. If we give a little, God will give us back a little. If we give more, he'll give back more. And if we give a lot, he'll give back a lot. In other words... Contrary to our human logic, when we give resources away, we don't end up with less. We will receive even more in return. Now, for many people, that doesn't compute, but that's what God's Word says. And we'll talk about how I've proved that in my own life and my family's life over the years. God entrusts resources to those who use those resources for Him by giving them away. And did you know that God takes away resources from those who try to keep them for themselves? Those who try to hang on to them. Haggai 1.9 says, You expected much, but see it turned out to be little. What you brought home I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with his own house. And so the people in Haggai's day thought they only had enough resources to build their own homes. And God's house was in ruins. The temple was in ruins. They had nothing left for that. And God tells the people, really the problem isn't that you don't have enough. You don't have enough because I'm simply blowing away what you make. Other parts of the passage says God's put holes in their pockets. They put their money in and it goes out the holes. He takes the money away from people who don't give it to build God's house. God wants to bless people in every aspect of their lives. And so today we're going to talk about how we can grow in giving and the blessing that comes from 
that kind of growth. We need to give with a heart for God. This morning we're going to look at a story from 1 Chronicles as our main passage. David and the people of Israel are participating in getting ready to build God's temple. God had given instructions to David that his son Solomon was going to build this wonderful temple for everyone to worship God. And David and the people of Israel had an opportunity to participate in that building by giving so that the supplies could be purchased and assembled for the temple to be built. Now why would anyone want to give their resources so that a place of worship could be built? Well, we'll see that it was because David and the people around him, the people of Israel, had a heart for God. They believed in God. They wanted to see him worship. They wanted to see his worship made glorious. They wanted to see more and more people worshiping him. They gave with a heart for God. And they were devoted to God's house or God's church. Verse 2 and 3, David says, With all my resources I provided for the temple of my God, gold for the work, Silver for the silver. Besides, in my devotion, underline that word devotion, to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I provided for this holy temple. And so David sets the example. He first gives, as the king of Israel, he gives a lot of supplies, a lot of finances to the purchase of the temple. Now, uh, I'm not a king or a president or a ruler over something that I can give resources, and I don't think that applies to most of us. But David did that first. And then in devotion to God's temple, he gave of his personal treasures. He didn't just give what the kingdom had, he gave what he personally had. And it says, in my devotion to the temple. David was devoted to the temple of God. It was a place where God's presence dwelled. It was a place where his people God's people worshipped. Today, God's church is the place where His presence dwells and where His people come together and worshipped. And we ought to be devoted to the church of God as David was devoted to the temple of God. And what you're devoted to, you give up your resources so that it can expand and grow and touch more and more people's lives. David then calls on the people of Israel to consecrate themselves to the Lord. He says in verse 5, Now who is willing to consecrate himself today to the Lord? What does it mean to consecrate? It means to dedicate yourself and all that you have to the Lord. And David had given an example of consecration through his own giving, and now he simply asked, who's willing to do the same? Who's willing to follow my example of devotion to God's house. Who's willing to consecrate themselves? You're not required to give. It's a matter between you and God. But what are you going to do? He posed that question. Those with a heart for God, those who wanted to help build this house of worship would be the ones who gave. Now to better understand this, Jesus told a story in Mark chapter 12 about giving. He was seated in the temple, and as he was seated there, he was watching people come and give their money to the temple treasury. This is thousands of years later from the story we're looking at in First Chronicles. And in those days, people didn't have checks, they didn't have um, credit cards, they didn't even have paper money. Their money was in coins of different denominations. 
And so when people came and gave to the temple treasury, which I understand was some type of box they put their offerings into, everybody could see what they gave. And so some people would come with bags of money and they'd drop those bags in. And everybody, wow, they, they gave a lot of money. And so Jesus saw many rich people come in and put bags of money, large sums they gave for the upkeep and expansion of the temple. And then he saw a poor widow come into the temple. And she went over to the box and pulled out two very small coins. Jesus saw, and she dropped in two small copper coins, less, worth less than a penny today. Far less in value than the others had given. And Jesus understood that the giving of this poor widow taught an important principle. And so he called his disciples aside and said to them, did you see that poor widow giving those two small coins compared to the rich people putting in their bags of money? He said, this poor widow has given more than all the others, contrary to what your eyes have told you. The rich have given out of their abundance. They have much more remaining. But this poor widow has given out of her poverty. She gave all she had to live on. And so her proportionate giving was far greater than what the rich had done. Giving shows the direction of our hearts towards God. It's not about giving a certain amount, but it's giving in proportion to how God has blessed us. And as Jesus comments in the poor widow show, even if we have very little, even if we don't think we have enough to get by ourselves, we ought to give. Now that's the end of the story that Jesus told. And I was thinking about it. You know, the poor widow, she gave everything that she had. Did she end up starving? Anybody think the poor widow starved to death after she gave her two small coins, all she had? I don't know what happened to her, but I believe God took care of her. I believe she was just fine. In fact, God blessed her, I believe, more than he blessed those rich people putting in their money bags. That was just a fraction of what they could have given. She'd given to God, God gave back to her. And so no matter what your financial situation is today, if you give with a heart to God, you're going to be blessed. Not only are we to give with a heart for God, we are to give with a trust in God. What did the people in David's day who were giving to build the temple and the poor widow have in common? They had in common that they trusted God. They gave and they trusted God to take care of them. They trusted enough, God enough, to give their resources and believe that God would supply their needs. They gave willingly, not grudgingly. Verse 6, David had just given in 1 Chronicles 29, now it says of the people, then the leaders of families would be the husbands, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. Underline that word willingly. And so the people, down to the family leaders, as David encouraged them to give, they decided what God wanted them to give. They brought it and they gave willingly. They weren't required to do so, but they wanted to. 
The Bible in the New Testament says that God loves a cheerful giver. Not a grudging giver, not a tight-fisted giver, but a cheerful giver. Not givers who feel like they're forced to give, but a cheerful giver. How can you be a cheerful giver? Simply by trusting God. God commands me to do this, and as I do this, I'm going to be blessed. I'm not going to end up with less. I'm going to end up with more blessing. God loves those who give, not only willingly, but with rejoicing. Verse 9, the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they'd given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. And so at this great offering that was taken for the building of the temple, everybody is rejoicing as they're giving their resources, as they're giving their money. The people, the leaders, and David the king. It was a time of joy. It was a time of celebration. Now, how is giving something to rejoice about? Well, we can rejoice because, first of all, God has given us something to give. The poor widow had something to give. She had her two small coins. She had something to give. Every person has something to give, and we can rejoice at that. Next, we can rejoice because we've chosen to give up our own free will. Finally, we can rejoice because our giving is going to accomplish something great for God, and God is going to bless us and supply our needs. And so giving is a time to rejoice. Now, our trust in God is built through giving over a period of time. And it, to be honest, it depends on how you were raised. If you weren't raised to give, it's going to take you longer to figure out how to do it than if you were raised uh, under biblical principles. My parents taught me to give Many years ago, my mom is here today, and I think she was the one. I can't remember that far back anymore, but I do remember we used to get an allowance. Back then, before things were inflated, I think I got a dime. That was big money back then, okay? Tells you how old I am. Still remember the uh, nickel and dime places, but uh, I got a dime, and what was my tithe on that dime? What did I give to God? A cent. I, you know, I had to do the mathematics and figure out it was one cent. And so I gave my penny to God when we went to church. And as I grew, my income grew. I got different jobs in college, and my giving increased. I always gave at least 10% of my income to the Lord. I tithed as I worked through college. Eventually, I uh, had various jobs. I haven't been a pastor all my days. In fact, I worked many, many years at Monsanto, and as I worked there. My paycheck was bigger than it was when I was going through college, and I, my giving increased proportionately because it was a simply proportionate. It was 10% or more. And so my story is that God is faithful. I and my family have always had enough, more than enough, to meet our needs and to continue to give to God. We had enough to continue giving when God blessed us with Three babies at once. Triplets. Uh, we had enough to provide for our needs when I left my full-time work and started out to start a new church with only a handful of people. 
God was faithful. My wife, Carol, has the same story. She's tithed for uh, many years since she was saved in junior high. Always gave 10% of everything that she's earned. And we're teaching our children the same thing. It's really not a question. They get a certain income. They take at least 10%. And some give more and give it to the Lord. And God blesses each and every one. In Malachi 3, the Lord challenges to bring at least a tithe or 10% of our income to his house. That's a temple in the Old Testament. It's God's church in the New. And God says, test me in this. If you bring the whole tithe into my house, test me and see if I don't bless you. Test me and see if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing upon you. Some people say, well, pastor, the New Testament doesn't teach tithing. Well, that's not true. Jesus himself said that we ought to tithe. You can look it up. The New Testament teaches we ought to give with a cheerful heart. 10% is the minimum. And if you're struggling financially this morning, the path to blessing is to trust God enough to begin to give. Put God first and he'll bless you. We give with an understanding of God's ways. The more we understand how God works, the more we understand God's ways, the more our faith grows to trust God in giving. We can learn a lot about God's ways from studying David's prayer as the people gave in his time to support the building of the temple. Everything belongs to God. Let me say that again. Everything belongs to God. Verse 11. David prays, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Let's repeat that again. Everything in heaven and earth, everything in the entire universe belongs to who? God. Nothing is owned by anyone else. What you think you have, your money, your possessions, your talents, your time, your treasures, your, your abilities, all those things are God, are God's. You do not truly own anything that you think you have. God is the one who tells us what to do with his things. Everything we have belongs to God because everything we have came from God. Verse 12, wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. So every good thing that you have, whether it's your money, whether it's your job, whether it's your life itself, your family, where did it come from? It came from God. That's not a trick question. People are scared I'm asking trick questions. <laughs> It's like, no, that's an easy one. It came from God. You didn't earn it. God gave it to you. you say, oh, pastor, I worked for those things. I worked hard. Wes, you may have had to work for those things. But who gave you the strength to work? Who gave you the ability and the intellect to do your job? Who opened up that job for you? God gave it to you. And so what is, this, what is giving all about? And giving, we're simply giving back what God gave us. God owns it all. He gave it to us, to steward, to use. And we give it back to the one who gave it. Verse 14, David continues praying. He says, but who am I 
And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. And so in giving, we're simply releasing back to God everything that he gave us in the beginning. Here David says this, is the, this understanding is the key to being generous givers. We can give generously because what we have comes from God. And if what we have now came from God and we give back to God, what can we expect? We can expect, we can believe God to give us more resources so that we can continue to be givers, so that we can continue to be generous givers in every respect, so that we can serve Him with the resources that He has entrusted to us. And when we truly understand God's ways, it's easy to be generous and cheerful givers. So let's get practical here today. There are people in our church family who tithe. There are people in our church family who do not. And if I were to ask the people who do not, the answer I would get, or the answer I do get, is because I'm struggling financially, Pastor. I, you know, I just can't afford it. Look, here's my uh, monthly expenditures. Here's my income and you know, it's zero or negative at the end of the month. Can't afford it. I, you know, when, when I get enough money, then I'm going to start giving because then I'll have enough money to give. It makes sense, right? Well, it seems to make sense on the surface, but God's Word says the reason that you're struggling financially is because you're not giving, because you're not tithing. The Bible says, test God in this. Don't Add up the numbers in your bank account and see if there's anything left for God. Where does that put God in your life? First or last place? Last place. Is he going to bless you if you're putting God last place in your finances? No, he's going to take away even what you have. But as we make God our priority, as we give to him first... That's what tithing is all about, about putting God first place in your life. We say, God, I trust you. I'm going to give you a tithe at 10% right off the top. And that leaves me 90%. And God, it doesn't look like it's going to cover, but I trust you. God has a wonderful way of making that 90% and more that he adds to it meet all of our needs. God knows that you have needs. God knows you have a family to support. He knows that you have bills to pay, and he will honor his word and meet your needs as you give with an understanding of God's ways. And so God has given each one of us different kinds, different amounts of resources, and those resources are not just to be used the way we want them to. Those resources are to be used in obedience to God. He's blessed us so that we can bless others, so that we can extend his kingdom. He instructs us to give with a heart for God. He instructs us to give with a trust in God that as we give, we're not going to end up with less. We're going to end up with more blessing in our lives. He's going to supply all of our needs. And so we give with a cheerfulness. We give with a joy because we understand God's ways and how he works. And when we give in those ways, we have the privilege of blessing others, seeing God's kingdom grow, and being blessed in return. 
This morning, if you're not sure that you're a believer, if you're not sure that you've committed your life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity. I do this every Sunday. This is an opportunity to recommit your life to the Lord as well. If you feel you've drifted away from Him, to pray this prayer and recommit yourself to Him as Lord of your life. So I'd like to ask you to bow your heads right now. We're going to pray. If you're not sure you're a believer here this morning, pray along with me or you want to recommit your life. Say, Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've been thinking that everything I had was mine and I haven't been following you. I've been doing things I shouldn't have. I admit those things are sin. I repent. I turn away from them. I believe that Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Forgive me. I commit myself to following you and your word all the days of my life. For those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for all the myriad ways that you've graciously blessed us, all the things that you've given us in this life, for our health, for our families, for our talents, for our abilities, for our jobs, for the possessions and the money that you've entrusted to us. And this morning we acknowledge that everything that we have belongs to you and came from you. It's not mine. I relinquished control of it, of all of it, not just 10%. I relinquished control of 100% of everything I have to you. Forgive me for thinking that it was mine and that I knew how best to use it. Please give me guidance and show me how that I can use the resources you've entrusted to me. Show me how to be a blessing by giving generously to see your kingdom grow, to see your church advance. We thank you, God, for the privilege of working with you to see more and more people come to Jesus. We thank you, God, for the privilege of laying up treasure in heaven that's going to be there for us for eternity rather than trying to make a little nest egg here on earth. God, we're grateful for the promise that you've given us that when we give, you're going to give back to us. And you're going to make sure that every need is met. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.